0: How did a Baptist lay preacher help launch the Industrial Revolution?
1: And why did Mick Jagger turn down in advance for his memoirs? Two very different questions. <laughs>
0: <laughs> Coming up in this half hour of The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marshall Smith. Welcome to The Off-Ramp, a chance to slow down, steer clear of crazy, take a side road to sanity, and get some perspective on life. Let's see. Perspective. A rock star turns down an advance for a memoir? That's kind of unusual.
1: Well, not just any advance. uh, 3.5 million pound advance. He turned it down.
0: We're talking Mick Jagger now. Yeah,
1: for an advance on his memoirs.
0: So the question is, why did he turn it down? (laughs) Yeah. And I'll say, it wasn't enough money.
1: No, 3.5, that's for just an advance offer. Wow. So God knows what he'd get for it. He
0: didn't want to kiss and tell.
1: That would be nice, but no, not that either.
0: He didn't want to dance.
1: Hands to someone else's tune. He
0: didn't want to reveal any pictures from his youth.
1: <laughs> I don't know.
0: What was the answer?
1: He said he couldn't remember <laughs> <laughs> enough significant details from his own life. He said, I don't remember. Is this where the drugs come in? I, I guess. <laughs> this is
0: like I was at Woodstock, but I don't remember. Yeah.
1: It. Doesn't ring a bell.
0: <laughs> oh, man. Yeah. That's funny.
1: So he could have made something up for that kind of coin.
0: I would think so. <laughs> All right. Here's a very different question for you. How did a Baptist lay preacher help launch the Industrial Revolution?
1: Is this in England?
0: Yes, it is. We're talking the 1600s, 1700s? Oh,
1: okay. I don't know. He wanted to find a better way to collect shackles from the, the congregation, and he came up with a, a little automated system. That so.
0: oh. <laughs> <laughs> just took your money on a conveyor belt, and well, amazingly, you got the answer wrong. Oh, no, <laughs> you yeah, had me there for a second. <laughs> no, he uh, just uh, became a successful entrepreneur by observing things, mm-hmm. but his name was Thomas Newcomen, and he made his living selling tools and metal equipment. And he lived in England from 1663 to 1729. Now, if you know anything about industry, that name means something to you. So let me tell you the story of that. One day, several of his best business customers, they were owners of tin mines in Cornwall, England, complaining about losing tremendous productivity when their mines flooded. This was a common thing when you dig holes deep in the ground, you know, the the water rushes in and mining had to stop so that men would manually pump the water out or hitch up teams of horses to haul buckets up out of the mine okay. to bring water up. Uh-huh. Well, he knew that centuries earlier, the Greeks discovered power could be generated with steam, but nobody had found a practical use for a steam engine. But he saw one right there, a pump powered by steam, a steam engine that could force a piston to move or turn a wheel. And before you knew it, his pumps revolutionized mining. They were soon applied to other machinery and mills and factories. But that was the genesis for it. So who invented the steam engine? Uh, An industrialist, a mechanic, a scientist? No, a Baptist minister who sold tools to make a living. And he got that idea one day and came up with the steam engine.
1: Very, very cool.
0: The lesson here you learn, Marsh, is (laughs) you never know what you'll learn when you take the off-ramp from your everyday life. (laughs) What the
1: hell hell are you talking about? Well, that's what he did. Oh, yes. And that's what
0: our listeners are doing by listening to us. Oh,
1: what a segue. You
0: wasted it. (laughs) You should have agreed with me.
1: (laughs) How often does that happen? Okay. Uh, There you go. Okay, according to Jennifer Aker, an author and social psychologist, Mm. a four-year-old child laughs up to 300 times a day, which is a little less than you and I. Oh,
0: not much, though.
1: (laughs) I don't think so.
0: (laughs) Really? (laughs) 300 times a day, a little child, a 4-year-old child
1: laughs? Yes, according to her. So how many days or weeks does a 40-year-old have to go to laugh that much? The typical, The
0: typical, yeah, most people, in other words. You get caught up in your life and the troubles of your life, and it takes...
1: No one knows the trouble trouble I've seen.
0: seen. Okay, uh, so a child does that in one day. Yeah. So I would say at least a week for a 40-year-old.
1: Yep. After Uh,
0: you've bled the fun out of their life.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Well, if you don't turn on the news and you don't. Read uh, something on social media, you might be happy, you might laugh a little more. But according to her, it's 10 weeks you have to go to laugh 300 times. <sighs>
0: 10 weeks For to laugh eft- 300 times when you're in your 40s, yeah, Holy as opposed to a
1: four year old. I was sitting on the porch the other day watching uh the, the little guy next door, Max, uh-huh. and run around. He's all by himself laughing at everything. You know, he does something and laughs at it. And, I hear him
0: and, giggling out there, uh, yeah,
1: what a doll. He's four, okay. And uh, that explains a lot. Okay.
0: <laughs> wow. That's sad, isn't
1: yeah. it? I, fortunately, you and I don't have that problem. But, uh...
0: but the mental illness comes in there, and that <laughs> makes the difference for us. So. Move on, Bob. Oh, okay. All right. I've got a statistic I want to ask you about. Now, okay. we've often heard how in America, like, we, we are too focused on the automobile, and we never really embraced a lot of public transportation. So here's a question. What country has the most miles of railway track? And these are the potential answers here, okay? China, Russia, the United States, Canada, or India. Which country's got the most railroad tracks?
1: India. India. That makes a lot of sense. It's not, though. No. (laughs) America. <laughs> yeah, the United States,
0: specifically. Really? Okay. Not, not Canada, but the yeah. U.S. Yeah, yeah uh. that's surprising that a nation as obsessed with the automobile also leads in railroad transportation. Yeah, you're right. That
1: is surprising.
0: But in total miles of railroad track, and we know most of that's used for freight these days, uh-huh. according to the World Bank, we have 93,000 miles of rail lines wow. as of that's, 2018.
1: That's a bit. Okay.
0: Who's next, do you think?
1: I'll say uh, China.
0: No, it's the next largest country by landmass. That would be Russia. Russia Russia has 53,000 miles. It's followed by India, which Uh has 42,500. China has 42,000, but uh, that's going to be changing because they're really changing their infrastructure a lot. And Canada has 30,000 miles. And when it comes to the volume of goods transported by rail, the U.S. also leads, but not when it comes to the number of passengers per mile. That, that's where India dwarfs all of their countries, and uh, China's next, and Russia, and Cameroon, and France. But the United States has more miles of railroad track than any other country, 93,000 miles.
1: That's a lot. It is. Here's a quickie. How did Virginia Woolf write her books?
0: How did she write her books? Uh-huh. She had a pen and uh-huh. paper. That's true. Next question. Yeah,
1: next. Uh, well, <laughs> but she did a particular thing when she wrote.
0: Hmm. This had to do with her inspiration, or no, or a process no. of process. writing. Process. Um, okay. She outlined things.
1: Uh no, I don't know. Perhaps she did, but this. Oh, so you would, don't
0: know the answer?
1: Yes, I haven't. An you answer. only know part
0: of the <laughs> answer, apparently.
1: If uh, If she were alive today, she would be very much on trend. Oh, really? She, the way she writes her books, yeah. Okay, explain. She stood up. She stood up, and I'm sure she wrote in longhand, right, back uh, back in the day. Yeah. But, you know, today they have, uh, like, our daughter has that...
0: Stand-up desk.
1: Yeah, she did that, and, of course, she was writing longhand, and, oh, my gosh. Imagine wow. standing up and writing... Uh,
0: she, did she have, like, a pedestal or something she was writing
1: on? I don't know. <laughs> I didn't well, ask. Like I
0: said, you don't know enough about this <laughs> question. But the point is she was standing up when she was writing. Yes, that's the That answer. was the way she could think better,
1: apparently. That, that was the question and the answer. Thank wow. you.
0: Wow, that's great. All right, you had some questions on Disney World and Disneyland now, lots recently of them last week, yeah. yeah I've got a couple here okay
1: okay and
0: it's not a glamorous job but it is in a glamorous place how much trouble are those character costumes at Disney World and Disneyland how much do they weigh
1: oh my god I can't believe you got to be 20 years old to do that stuff yes yeah. it must be miserable I mean are you on average injured? on average I'll save 30 pounds.
0: 40 pounds. Oh, that's geez. on average. So some way a lot more than that. Oh,
1: my God.
0: Oh, I mean, that's like, you know, those big salt bags at the supermarket for water conditioners. Yeah. Can um, you imagine carrying those on you? You
1: couldn't pay me enough.
0: And then under the blazing summer sun in Florida, the temperatures can get as hot as... 110 degrees Fahrenheit. Well, they
1: must pass out all the time. That's why they have, and this is the job I would take, because who wouldn't love to work at Disney when they're young,
0: uh-huh.
1: um, is their their helpers that go out that make sure that somebody doesn't tip them over. Or oh, yes, you know? yes, that's There's right. There's always people around you go, who is that guy standing not far away? It's to... To get you away from the character so you don't push them over or something.
0: Well yeah, as you said earlier, cast members is the term they use for yeah. a lot of employees, but the people who wear those full bodied character costumes with heads, they're known as what? It's a different term. They're known as Fuzzies. Fuzzies? Fuzzies. Jeez. <laughs> <laughs> okay. And one more question here. Yes. What's called the asylum? By Disney cast members. This is kind of like behind the scenes. Yeah, yeah. Working there is, is the it, asylum. Yeah,
1: it's really bad. And
0: it's something you would think of.
1: It. Uh, something. Oh, it's not the Tower of Terror, is no, it? No, uh-uh. uh-uh. Well, it's just... Uh they don't want to be there? Oh, is it the breakfast for children no, or something? No, 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 it's not anything like that. <laughs> okay, tell me.
0: Cast members who work at It's a Small, 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 small world. world. Oh,
1: my God, they probably have they, to They refer be to committed. it as the
0: asylum. I'll bet. They jokingly say that's where they'll end up as a result of hearing that yeah. song hour uh, after hour uh, after hour. I'll
1: bet. Oh, that's And that's a... been
0: playing since the World's Fair of 1964. That was from the World's Fair of 1964.
1: <laughs> oh, my God, think about that. But the little kids. Love it. You know, they do. Oh, yeah. The song, because it's a memorable, easy to Well, it sing. was kind
0: of United Nations idea, you yeah. know, originally. Yeah, that's it. It's that's a small, f-
1: small world. Yeah. A, yeah, we went through it. We went through it.
0: Yes, we enjoyed it Okay, for a moment.
1: <laughs> Can you name any of the strongest muscles in your body?
0: Well, let's see. I, I always think of the biceps, you know, the arms yeah. and things like that. But I would imagine... Your stomach muscles or some other muscles in your body that you don't see are actually considered the strongest?
1: Yeah. The answer is the masseter muscle. Hmm. It's the muscle in your jaw.
0: Oh, really? Okay. Yeah,
1: with all the muscles of the jaw working together, it can close the teeth with a force as great as 55 pounds on the incisors or 200 pounds on the molars. Whoa! Oh, so so when you,
0: somebody bites you, that's how much force is being put on your fingers. it you gets back
1: to the molars, 200 pounds. And the other two strongest right at the top are your tongue. Hmm. I wouldn't have thought of that. No, I wouldn't have either. And uh, your butt, your maximum gluteus, <laughs> or whatever it is. <laughs> but I
0: can think of certain people, I would say those are the strongest muscles they have. <laughs> yeah. The well. tongue for the loud mouth and the butt for the <laughs> horse as well. Okay. okay.
1: Wait. Do you know the weakest muscles, Bob?
0: Oh, the weakest muscle, the brain. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Not personally, Bob.
0: Oh, okay. Oh, think of other people. Yeah. Uh, Like toes, uh, fingers. Those are. Those are. I don't know if they're weak though. They're
1: all pretty strong. Think ear. It's the stapedius muscle in your middle ear, and is about one sixteenth of an inch. Its purpose is to stabilize the bone in also in the middle ear, the stapes bone. But together, they help limit the amount of sound that goes into your ear. So it's crucial.
0: So, even though it's the smallest and the weakest muscle, it performs a very important function. That's exactly
1: okay. right. Okay.
0: <laughs> okay, history question, Marcia. You always talk about how Sherlock Holmes, whenever they're reviving somebody in those stories, they give them some brandy, right? You know? yeah, okay. Right. what u s. president was numbed with brandy, not anesthesia? when he was operated on for kidney stones. Oh, my
1: God. Can
0: you imagine oh how painful we, that we must have been? We have to been? go way back.
1: Early yeah, we're going way back, right? Okay, we'll say... Uh, oh.
0: I'll give you a hint. You're very familiar with the name because it's uh, a street near us.
1: <laughs> Is it Pierce.
0: Polk? It's Polk. Uh. Yeah, 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 James K. Polk. And it was when he was a teenager, so this was long before he became president. Wow. He was said to have had kidney stones removed when he was 17, and he took brandy to numb the pain, but was awake
1: for the entire operation. Oh, my God.
0: That's because anesthesia wouldn't be invented for another 30 years. Yeah,
1: the good old days, huh? What's yeah. so good about those? Yeah.
0: He became president 33 years later when he was 50.
1: Okay, let's talk art. Art who are considered some of the most famous artists of all time. Yeah, the most famous artists of all time. In
0: terms of what people think of them today.
1: Apparently.
0: Okay, so Picasso is probably in there. Yep, he is. Uh, Michelangelo.
1: Yeah, you'd think, but he's not on the top four. Mm. Of course, he considered
0: himself a sculptor more than a painter. Yes, he
1: did, he did.
0: Okay, give me the answers.
1: Okay, Vincent van Gogh. Okay, but but he had an
0: ear for art, didn't he? Oh, pardon me. Era. Oh, era of art, yeah.
1: (laughs) Leonardo da Vinci and Claude Monet. Of those four, Picasso keeps coming up as the number one in the world. He was born in Spain, lived in France. He was a talented, uh, did you know this, ceramicist, printmaker, theater designer, sculptor, and painter. Wow. Yeah, I didn't know he did all that, even though we saw a documentary on him, remember?
0: Yeah, and they focused more on painting than anything. Yeah, they did, yeah.
1: But what's interesting, I thought, about these four artists, they all represent a different period of art. Picasso Cubism, Van Gogh, Dutch Post-Impressionist, Da Vinci Italian Renaissance, and Claude Monet is considered the founder of Impressionism. Very good. Okay.
0: All right, I've got a question about a major U.S. city. Uh, Think of all the major U.S. cities. There is one that has absolutely no skyscrapers, and why is that? There is a major U.S. city that has no skyscrapers,
1: and why? It's uh, not—I was going to say— Salt Lake City, but their church is a skyscraper Well, they have large
0: buildings there, yeah.
1: Yeah. So this is a major city?
0: A major U.S. city. It's been around since the beginning of the country, and it has no skyscrapers.
1: Well, is it someplace like Santa Fe?
0: You're going to say, why didn't I think of this when I tell (laughs) you the answer? uh, Washington, D.C.
1: Oh, that's right. You can't have anything higher than the Washington Monument.
0: Well, in the 1890s, you know, the skyscrapers started coming out and they began creeping up in U.S. cities. But in 1894, there was a citizen backlash to Uh a building built in Washington called the Cairo Hotel. It rose to 164 feet. It was 12 stories tall. And that's when Congress passed the Height of Building Act. It stipulates that buildings in Washington, D.C. can be no taller than the width of the street they face. Kind of an arcane thing, but basically it's an effort to prevent the Capitol's architectural character.
1: From getting out of hand.
0: Yeah. They want to keep preserving these broad streets and expansive views of government buildings. Wasn't
1: there a height restriction of the Washington Monument being the tallest thing they could have?
0: It was the tallest building in the world when that was built. The really? Washington Monument was really? the tallest building in the world when that was built.
1: And so it's the tallest, team. Yeah, okay. it's the tallest
0: building there now. Wow. So, uh, yeah, since 1910, buildings in Washington, D.C. have maxed out at about 11 stories, 130 feet. Uh-huh. And the Cairo Hotel remains the tallest private building in town. It's 100 years old, and it's still only 12 stories tall. And like I said, the tallest structure was the Washington Monument. That's 555 feet. It was completed in 1848 and for years. The tallest structure in the world.
1: Isn't that amazing? Yeah, and it yeah. was a
0: building. You could go up inside and it had stairways yeah. all the way to the top, yeah. so it's yeah. considered a building. Oh. Okay. Okay, well, let's take a break, and we'll be back in just a moment. You're listening to The Off-Ramp with Bob. And
1: Marsha. Smith.
0: Okay, we're back again with The Off-Ramp with Bob and Marcia Smith. Marcia, I may have asked this question earlier. Now, Melania Trump was born in Slovenia, but she wasn't the first first lady born outside of the United States. Who was, was the, first the first first lady? Uh, mm.
1: Let me see. The first is, first lady born this, uh, outside of the United this, States. Is this in not too far distant?
0: Here? No, it goes way, way back. Way back? Yeah.
1: Okay, Dolly Madison.
0: Nope. <laughs> I don't
1: that's the only one that. That's popped.
0: okay. Pretty close. Did it tell me? Louisa Adams, the wife of John Quincy Adams.
1: Shannon's <gasps> wife. huh? Yeah. The she beloved. was
0: born in uh, London in 1775, and that makes her the first first lady born outside the United States. She's also the first known first lady born out of wedlock. I didn't oh. know that. Aha! Uh-huh. And she grew up Sk- in England and France.
1: Her mother was a scamp. <laughs>
0: <laughs> okay, well, you, want, you can say that if you want to. I, I don't put that thing on somebody.
1: No, of course not. All right. All right. What is the first musical era that has a name? It has a name.
0: Okay, so, because we, well, I, I'm thinking of Gregorian chants. That was music. Oh, that's, yeah. You know, back that in a thousand years yeah, or more. Yeah, So that's that would be my answer.
1: Yeah, well, it, I guess so.
0: And then there were there were always, even in the Bible, there were, all the songs of Solomon, all those types. They had David supposedly played a harp in then You know, so much. There's music in ancient civilizations, uh, but we're talking about essentially a more modern thing, I would well, assume. It's
1: it what's considered the first musical era in musical history.
0: Oh, there's Baroque, there's classical. There's... Yes. It
1: is classical. Oh. And it was during the Renaissance period. Everything started to come alive in the Renaissance. You know, before that, things were pretty dull. And it's it's called the early music back then. And it was born around the 1400s. Okay. And it wasn't, though, until the 1700s that uh, you started getting the classical rock stars like Beethoven, Bach, and Mozart. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. They all came alive in the 1700s. So there was a 300-year lag there. But that music existed, and then the rock stars were born.
0: Wow. Okay. So classical. Yeah. You know, it's funny. I just saw this online, a uh, guy who's a combination of a musician, and a, I don't know if he's medical or what, but he did a little study of box skeleton, and based <laughs> on his hands, he had a far greater reach to play the organ oh, really? than any other musicians of the time, which so may be he why had, he was so prolific Oh, so he such had a f- virtuoso. He
1: had a physical advantage. Yes, a that, physical advantage. Wow. So he could
0: reach farther. I forget what they said his reach was, 10 inches or no something. No kidding. And, oh, yeah. I mean I that's that. That's more than most people when you spread your fingers on you. Yeah. You can't go that far, but yeah. All right, I've got a couple questions here on expressions. Remember we did flying colors and all of that. The best thing since sliced bread, where did that come? expression come from? What inspired that? Uh, Sliced bread, I would assume, right?
1: But when was that? (laughs) Uh, The 1800s.
0: No, no, it's more modern. The sliced bread was invented in 1928. Can you believe that? Wonder Bread was one of the first ones. Oh, yeah. But the inventor, Otto Friedrich Roeder of Davenport, Iowa, he first released his bread loaf slicing machine. The interesting thing here is his advertisement claimed it was the greatest forward step in the baking industry since bread was wrapped (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> <laughs> so, and then Wags, who were riffing on this whole theme, started to compare everything of they had to him. So it, that's, well, this is the best thing since sliced bread. Uh-huh. But the first advertisement for the sliced bread was not a great theme. You know, it wasn't yeah. a great advertising uh-huh. thing. The best forward step in the baking industry since bread was wrapped. <laughs> who knew it would go the other direction? And then here's one, buttering someone up. Where does that expression come from? Oh, you're just trying to butter me up. To butter somebody up is to beguile them or lavish them with praise to get what you want, right? Yeah,
1: like when you buy me diamonds, I have to butter them (laughs) up.
0: Where did that expression come from?
1: uh, uh, I don't know.
0: It goes all the way back to the Hindu tradition of throwing balls of clarified butter at the statues of deities. Really? In exchange for the offering, it was thought that buttered up gods would... (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> reward the faithful with a good harvest. Wow. So that's an ancient expression. Yeah. Oh, you're just buttering me up, wow. you know? I thought that was pretty funny.
1: Wow. All right. Bob, why is a terrible or fake doctor called a quack?
0: Oh, that's a good one. <laughs> Was it? Was there actually a doctor that was named Quack, and he was considered such a oh, fraud well, that's that a good he guess. became the you know symbol for somebody who was malpractice?
1: Yeah, that's a good guess. But no.
0: Okay, so the answer is
1: Quack. It's a clipped form of the archaic term Quack Solver, Okay. <laughs> it's Dutch. Solver is a hawker of salve.
0: Salves. Okay. Okay. Yeah.
1: So you know these uh, kind of. Uh, pretend medical guys would hawk these different salves to the people in the crowd. And the quack solvers sold their wares on the market, shouting in a loud voice and selling their dubious concoctions.
0: Wow, so interesting. So they had no medical training, but they're selling this stuff that people think has medical value.
1: The salves. I get (laughs) it. The first reference to a healer as a quack goes back to the 16th century. Jeez. Today's quacks still dispense bad medicine, and we carried on since uh, 16th century. Isn't that hard to believe? Yeah.
0: Okay. Since it's the 50th anniversary of Disney World, I'll give you a couple more questions on Disney World. Okay. Okay. Do it. When Disneyland first opened, okay, 1955. What year in the future did Tomorrowland represent?
1: Oh, that's interesting. Was it 2020? No. Two thousand.
0: Now, 55 is when it opened, Yeah, and they set it in a certain year. Yeah. It would be the next time Halley's Comet appeared, and that year was? I don't know. 1986. Oh, really? That's Tomorrowland. That was a big Tomorrowland when Disneyland first opened. All right, now, here's one more. If Disneyland and Disney World are fantasy places, places dedicated to illusion, why does Disney use actual gold leafing in parts of the park? Why waste all this money on gold leafing? Wow.
1: Is it more resilient? That's it. Oh. It'll last
0: longer. And it, and it looks amazing. The exterior of our favorite place, It's a Small World, <laughs> is actually gold leafing. Wow. And that might sound extravagant, but over time, gold leafing is more cost-effective than paint because it doesn't have to be replaced as often.
1: I'll be darned. So you never know. Yeah, learn something every you'll day. You
0: learn something every okay, day. Okay, I have
1: one more expression, and this one you'll like very much. Okay. Why does deadpan mean an expressionless human face? Where does the expression deadpan come from? Deadpan.
0: Now, does that come from mining? Because they used to pan for gold and Mm -hmm. things like that.
1: That's a good one.
0: But that's not it. No. Okay. Pan. Is it uh, flash in the pan meant the... uh, explosion of the lighting for the stage. Does it have something to do with the stage?
1: Marsh, (laughs) I'm trying to answer your question. No, honey, no, that's not. Don't be
0: mean. Oh, you were going down. What's the answer?
1: The word deadpan was first used in print by the New York Times in 1928 as a description of the great silent film comic... Oh, Buster Keaton. That's correct, who was also known as the Great Stone Face. Yes. The theatrical slang use of pan for face dates back to the 14th century. Dead, of course, means it's not moving or is expressionalist. No so,
0: kidding. So pan meant face in yeah. ancient theater? Like pancake Met, makeup. Oh, pancake. Stuff. Now yeah. I get it. I never. always wondered why they called that pancake makeup.
1: Yeah. It's a meant face, and it goes back uh, a long way. Pancake and Buster Keaton. Wow. Deadpan.
0: That's pretty impressive.
1: I knew you'd like that.
0: And this is pretty impressive, too. (laughs) (laughs) One more. Still one more question on Antarctica, Marcia. Oh, oh, And I promise this will be the last one. All righty. Okay. Antarctica is closest to the size of what country? If it was a country. It's a continent. Yeah. Right? It is a continent. It's uh, Canada. No. Russia. Russia. Yeah. With an area of roughly 5.4 million square miles, Antarctica is only the fifth largest continent, but if it were a country, it would be the second largest in the world, just behind Russia. Put another way, Antarctica is a bit larger than the size of the United States and India combined. That's how big that is. That's
1: big. All right. I'm going to go out with a couple of uh, tweets, actually. Okay. Here's a tweet I got out of Reader's Digest. Okay. Um, it said, quote, Elon Musk is now worth $208 billion. You want to know how he did it? He skipped 34.6 billion lattes. It's that easy.
0: Oh. <laughs> <laughs> Don't drink that much coffee and you'll... <laughs> That's hilarious.
1: Well, you know what they cost. And if you drink 34.6 billion, it adds up. <laughs> That's a lot
0: of caffeine. <laughs> and
1: and uh, just uh, to go out with some advice... On healthy living, Amy Schumer says, listen to your body. I listen to mine, and every day it tells me not to do Zumba. <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> so she doesn't like to do exercise.
1: I would guess. Uh.
0: <laughs> oh, dear. All right. Well, that's it for today. We want to thank you for listening. And if you'd like to send us a question, we invite you to participate by going to our website.
1: Theofframp.show
0: And scroll down to. Contact us. And then leave us your question, your answer, and. Uh,
1: Where you're from. Yeah. We'd Always like, to know, like to know that. Okay. Thanks for listening.
0: And join <laughs> us again next time when we return with more trivia here on. The Off-Ramp. The Off-Ramp is produced in association with CPL Radio Online and the Cedarbrook Public Library, Cedarburg, Wisconsin.